The next time you come here, intern, um, don't be surprised if you wake up in the middle of the night and I've got uh, I've got just a cooking apron on and I'm oh, Jesus. standing. Well, that wouldn't happen. Standing at the doorway. Trailer Park! What do we do? Nathan, we watch trailers. Five of them, to be exact. And we gauge, trailer by trailer, whether or not we are worried or, Nathan, excited. I'm worried. I am excited. Holy shit, I'm excited. That's awesome. I'm worried. Some might call us trailer predictor professionals. TPP. TPP. You guys are buying into what they're selling, like a pedophile selling candy from a van, and you are already got your seatbelt on. Here comes pissy pants. I I gotta go worried. Sorry, everybody. Nathan? Yes? Andrew? Yes. Daniel? Can we get on with this fucking show? (laughs) Trailer Pride Podcast, episode 106. I welcome... Uh, the crew. I welcome Amanda to the podcast tonight. Just taking care of some dog issues real quick. And there's my cousin Daniel. Nathan? Yes? This is more than just episode 106. Uh, well, yes, it is. I believe it's our annual um, uh, Pander to Daniel episode. Is that correct? <laughs> it's it's our one. Halloween special, our, our Halloween spectacular. Uh, prepared to be scared. Uh-huh. Prepared to... I want to lube those knees because they're going to be knocking. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah. that's... Uh, Don't you want to pad those knees? Pad those knees. Oh, and, and look, everybody. It's the intern. Hi, intern. Oh, hello. Hi. Number 106, 106. a number of the beast. And 106... Um, I don't know if you guys know, but a person imbued with 106 energy tends not to ask permission when they determine something needs doing. They just do it. Mm, a doer. 106 is a doer. That's right. Yeah. No, I like that. And tonight we're going to be bringing back a an oldie but a goodie. We're going to be bringing back the, the grab bag. We're going to be surfing through some content. I know this is the Halloween spe- spectacular, but there are a few things we just need to... We need to deal with. We need to get them out of the way. Oh, some administrative stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, not administrative stuff. It's more just uh, stuff that's ha- been happening. We haven't done an episode for a little while. There's there's things happening. We need to jump on it. We need to talk about it. We need mm. to clear the air. Clear off this desk. Empty out these drawers. Yeah. And here we have uh, we have something now coming down the pneumatic tube. Uh, are you guys ready for the first one here? Amanda, are you back? I am back. I'm ready. Oh, welcome back, Amanda. Here we go. You're going to turn your back on family? Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Fast and Furious uh, producer is suing Universal over the Hobbs and Shaw spinoff. Okay. Oh, my God. It's getting legal. It's getting, it's getting legal. We got Dwayne Johnson uh, jerking off on Instagram, talking about Idris Elba being the bad guy and how it took years to get this project off the runway or whatever. And now here we go. Now this uh, titter-tatter between Diesel and The Rock is now turning legal. The filing states that a verbal contract between Universal Pictures Chair Langley, Universal's president, or Universal Pictures president Jimmy Horowitz, and writer Chris Morgan was agreed upon. The Moritz earning $2 million in fixed compensation applicable against a 6% first dollar gross participation. Blah, blah, blah. The point is, they want a piece. Of course, makes sense. Well, because there's a lot of different producers involved. So... I mean, it's it's not just Universal. It's also a whole slew of producers. So if all of the producers that aren't involved in this spinoff see this suing happening and it's successful, then we can expect more lawsuits and more nonsense. 
this is gonna not this is not a clean expansion of the Fast and Furious um, universe. No, but I'm also just surprised that The Rock and them have taken this on as like a heated um, like battle that they want to put everything behind. Like, what what is it's we're ten we're about to be nine or ten films into a franchise. You want to do a spinoff? The spinoff is causing a lot of heat and aggression between people and breaking up networks and partnerships that have been together for the last decade is it worth it mm. what if in the end it just sort of flops and no one gives a shit about it oh mm. now you've ruined what brought you up what i would say would kickstart rock's sort of uh, ironic career success in these later years yeah and that's maybe at the heart of the pissing contest right this is a measure your dick thing between vin diesel and the rock and I think The Rock just wants to flex his huge super Hollywood star muscle. And Vin Diesel's like, go along to get along, bitch. And he's like, fuck you. I'm going to I'm gonna take it this way and just take it all away from you. I think they really don't like each other. I think this is a serious pissing contest. I do appreciate all that sexual terminology you used in describing the relationship, though. Mm. <laughs> I do imagine sort of like that scene when the door cracks open in Pulp Fiction and you see uh, Maurice... <laughs> Like, I feel like that's Vin Diesel. And then here comes this just like, you can just tell by looking at that pulsating Samoan cock. It's got, it's got weight and heft to it and probably just tribal tattoos straight from head to base. <laughs> but I mean, the fans win in this whole thing, don't they? They get more Fast and Furious movies and these Fast and Furious movies, especially if Fast and Furious uh, 9 omits the rock from it, will know that the, that the pissing contest is real. And... You know, maybe they'll take shots at each other between the two. I mean, maybe, and, 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 it's, and it's true. It is all for the like. The, in the end, the fans win because I don't give a shit about whatever lawsuits are going on behind the scenes. Who cares? We still have a bunch of scenes that we have to do, so we're gonna do however many movies we need to in order to get these scenes in there. Slow you know motion, what? two cars jumping in the air together, and the people kissing through <laughs> the windows. Vin uh, Diesel should just digitally kill The Rock. Ooh. In the next one. Mm. Ooh, that would yeah. yeah, that would cause some heat. And then it'd just be like, go fuck yourself with your spin-off. You're dead. Mm-hmm. And then Vin Diesel has to go to Hobbs's daughter and tell Hobbs's daughter that he died. And then they start finding out some like creepy shit about how he died. Like <laughs> it turns into a horror franchise. Yeah, the series the series is so bonkers it could totally do that. It could just become uh Fast and the Furious versus Freddy versus Jason. Right. And they have to like race in nightmare hell for their lives. I really hope the crossovers head that way. Like Vin Diesel literally transforms grotesquely like into a race car. <laughs> oh, oh, and then then there's like a Transformers crossover as well. Mm-hmm. Anything you want, they can do it. I think it's possible. Oh, oh, something else coming down. The dragon shall be reborn and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth at his rebirth. Uh, this is about Wheel of Time. Uh, Amazon is making this Wheel of they're Time. Yeah, they're they're. It's finally happening. Wheel of Time is becoming a TV series. It's got Sony behind it, and Amazon is the one making the show. So, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But I'm I don't know. I'm I've always wanted this to happen. So I decided to throw it in because I really want to see. And it's also really weird because I'm a uh, I'm a big Survivor fan. And the guy that they've been that they gave the writing of the of the show to was a survivor contestant <laughs> <laughs> on on the one of the best seasons, Guatemala. Uh, his name's Rafe, and um, 
I don't know. I'm going to have to go and watch some of the episodes of TV that he actually wrote, which I'm sure will make me more concerned, and that's fine. <laughs> but, but this it's is actually... hard not to be concerned about what you love, Nathan. Well, yeah, that's that's true. It's hard not to be concerned about what you love. That's a great point. Well, I can is... already sense that it's probably going to be subpar to what I'm hoping for. But yeah, I'm definitely still checking it out. And it's it's the right fantasy series for right now because there's such a cry for female empowerment. And the fucking Wheel of Time series is about fucking women in power. Oh, totally about ladies. In yeah. fact, men can't even tap into the same power as ladies without going insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fucking cool. Yeah, it takes what, what... I don't know. I think based on the content alone, this could be... And Amazon's going to put a ton of money behind it, probably, because they've got shit tons of money. They put $500 million behind the Lord of the Rings TV series they're planning, so I'm sure there's a lot of money here for Wheel of Time as well, so I, I don't know. I'm... Intern said he was worried about money being involved. <laughs> Idiot. Yeah, because people need to make decisions knowing that there's restrictions, that you don't just get to make everything a computer graphic. That's what kills cinema. Okay. Well, you know what kills enthusiasm too, right? Me. Yeah. 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 Let's move on to the next one here. <laughs> I'm a killer. They're bad guys. Exactly. And if anything goes wrong, we blame them. We have built-in deniability. So I don't know if any of you guys saw this, but uh, James Gunn has been hired to do Suicide Squad 2 after being fired for Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Oh, DC movies might be good again. Oh, he's slipping over to the DC oh, side. Oh, interesting. Yeah, social media analysis from Talkwalker, made for Business Insider, showed that people had a stronger negative reaction to Disney firing James Gunn from Guardians of the Galaxy 3 than when Warner Brothers hired him for Suicide Squad 2. <laughs> <laughs> We crunch the numbers and it's going to work. I I don't know. I think that they're smart to um, pick up a guy that uh, is, you know, creative and has a proven track record. But at the same time, this whole thing is just bizarre. It's all bizarre. Disney, known pedophile hirer, fires guy that might be a pedophile. Warner Brothers hires guy that might be a pedophile. Movie might be better. I don't know. Was that the storyline? I can almost guarantee I, you know, I reserve a vague open area for for Mr. Gunn, but I love Slither and I've been a big fan of his for the beginning, so I can guarantee Suicide Squad 2 is going to be better than the first one. <laughs> that's, that's not going to be hard to do, though. That's, that's I true. I never bothered to watch it. Definitely better yeah, than I, Justice League. But yeah, that's a true statement. Suicide Squad 2 will be better than Suicide Squad 1. Will any of us really care? Probably not. Uh, I might. Okay. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubble. Is there a They Live remake coming? Uh, John Carpenter recently stated uh, that They Live 2, or a sequel to They Live, is closer to reality than you think. Apparently there was a a feature film called Resistance that was written by Matt Reeves, who did the Apes movies, and he moved on. And Carpenter is hinting that the script for Resistance is going to be altered to become They Live (laughs) 2. Okay. But Carpenter's kind of all over the place. Treatment. Yeah. Taking a different script. Yeah. I don't know. Carpenter's kind of all over the place. He likes to speculate. He likes to weigh in on everything. (laughs) He, he doesn't he, have shit else to do, so he just, you know, talks out of his ass whenever anybody will listen. And it's great. I like it. I like it, too, because he also he also appreciates, like, a bad situation from which to make a movie from. 
So they're like, oh, we got no money. Uh, the plot sounds like it needs to be real effects heavy and uh, all the actors hate each other. Go. Like he, he, he likes he likes he likes that kind of situation. So like I'm sure he's just like, yeah, we'll just bend this and bend that and we'll we'll make it work. See, restrictions are good. <sighs> all right, we got a treat for you guys uh, tonight. Uh, we're gonna play a little game. <gasps> a game? Yep. It's time to play either or You know what is awesome about that is that I know Nathan made that like like an hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> Either or. Andrew. <laughs> Grudge reboot made by Nicholas Pesky, director of The Eyes of My Mother, or The Lighthouse, directed by Robert Edgers, who made The Witch. Oh, fuck. That's a good uh, one. That is a good one. The, the lighthouse. I, I want both. Daniel. Pet Cemetery remake with John Lithgow or Child's Play remake with Aubrey Plaza. I'm going to go Lithgow. Yeah, Pet Cemetery remake. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Amanda. Sequel to Get Out called Us or it chapter two. Uh, both, I'm into both, but it chapter two. I loved it so much. And that was either or. Aren't we getting all of those though? Yeah, we're getting all of those. Movies. Yeah, those were some good, uh, good options too. Yeah. Well, I knew uh, Grudge Reboot and um, The Lighthouse had to go to Mr. Pretentious because he would have the hardest time with it. And only because of the director, because the Grudge, I don't really care about. Right. I'm like, that's the, exactly how I feel about it, too. You said Grudge Remake. I was like, don't care. Didn't like the original or, or didn't like the original remake or the original. And then you said the director of Eyes of My Mother. And I was like, oh, oh you're such a fuddy duddy. I liked the Grudge. Well, uh, the Lighthouse from the guy that did The Witch, stars Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. Pattinson's uh, took a change in his... He's not the same guy he was Twilight, Twilight time. I actually think that's a good pairing of like weird, wave, wafy, thin men. <laughs> <laughs> no, casting's interesting on that. And it's, I mean, the plot's kind of shrouded in, uh, in what have you, like... Old man in a lighthouse, bunch of weird shit, probably. Right, a bunch of like moonlight, lighting, <laughs> and, dark tones. Every it's just it was a constant breeze. And the grudge. The only thing I have from that is uh, Lynn Shay. Daniel knows who Lynn Shay is. Yep. Uh, she is in the Grudge reboot, and she says it's the scariest film she's ever been a part of. I feel like she says that in every movie that she's in. Yeah, probably. <clears throat> Look at and me. I like have to take actresses with a grain of salt because you know we had. Uh, what's her face on the set of Mother, you know, like breaking her own ribs because she's so like, oh, and and then um, Dakota Johnson is also, and Suspiria looks amazing. I think we're going to talk about it later, but she's also like, oh, the nightmares I've had filming that I'm like, <laughs> y'all all need to calm down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, I mean, Jennifer Lawrence did look like she dove into that role for Mother. That's fine. That's, I'm sorry you had to break a rib, but I, my question is, you know, if that movie was a was a financial success, are Aronofsky and Lawrence still together? Mm. Mm. Are 
Are was, they currently? Was no, they oh, broke up. Really oh, yeah. so yeah, you're saying the but they just the in the burden. heat, yeah, the heat of passion of the moment made them fuck each other's brains out, and that was it. Or if the movie had been successful, would they have, you know? No, that's how actors do, Nathan. Everyone. Okay. But do you think they both like blame each other? Like he looked at her like people like me as a director. The difference is you, and she's like coasting along just fine until you and I got together. Um, Sad Sack has prepared in honor of tonight's Halloween spectacular. Sad Sack has prepared a uh, PSA for us, a uh, public service announcement on how to spot a serial killer. Oh, good kids, listen up! How to spot a serial killer? They're peeping toms. They compulsively masturbate. They brag about everything they do. They have trouble holding down a job. They torture small animals. They start fires. One of the most common zodiac signs of a serial killer is Gemini. They usually have an E in their name, like Randy or Andy. <laughs> Are you checking off all those boxes, intern? Oh. Uh, most of them. I don't know. I, I don't know who this Andy person is, though. You are a Gemini, though, right? Uh, that is correct. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> another another top one is Pisces, apparently. Oh. Yeah. So if intern, <laughs> intern doesn't get you, I scoop in, clean up the mess. <laughs> yeah, that's how we roll. Yeah. Uh, team, is it time to enter into the trailer viewing room? Let's do it. I think I'm ready. Well, let me get my drink real quick. Okay. Okay, let's go. Let's roll, roll the curtain. <laughs> A marginal erection. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm gonna let you know. I've got goosebumps. Yeah. Uh, trailer number one tonight, Daniel. Um, Halloween. Halloween 2018. Here we go. Which one should we go to? They're all spooky. I'm gonna pick that one over on across the street. Forty years ago, on Halloween night, Michael Myers murdered three people. After that horrific night, he was sent back to the institution in captivity. 
the hell did you do that for? So I can kill him. The bus crashed. Michael Myers escaped. He'll return to Haddonfield, his home. I need to protect my family. You have no security system, Karen. Mom, you need help. Evil is real. There's a reason we're supposed to be afraid of this night. I've been preparing for this for a long time. It is not safe to be on the street tonight. Go home! Get out of here! Get inside! Michael! He's here. He is a killer. But he will be killed tonight. Happy Halloween, Michael. All right, Daniel, it is the Halloween spooktacular, so I think that means you should be leading off in the headliner position tonight. Daniel, are you worried or excited about Halloween 2018? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait for you to pick that up. Thank you, Nathan, uh, for passing this along to me to lead this off tonight. I first would like to address what are we dealing with in this Halloween franchise chronology with this film? This is, I thought originally was going to be a complete reboot and that Jamie Lee Curtis was going to do a cameo or play a character uh, separate from the character that she played in the original franchise. Not the case. This is a late era sequel that appears to be ignoring all the of the rest other installments of the franchise. Every single one of them. Yeah. Because the Halloween series goes off the rails like all horror franchises do by part five or six of the original Halloween series. Uh, there's like voodoo spirits of old dead people that are cast down into into Michael's body. And there's like witches that control him. Like It gets real fucking weird. And they try to pull it back. But Jamie Lee Curtis has already been in another Halloween. She was in H2O. She was in H2O. Yeah. Which marks the 20 year anniversary. And now we're at the 40 year anniversary. So I guess this is H2O. And if she lives another 10 years, they will be at Halloween 50. Right. Well, IMDb's um, trivia section goes into great detail on that, specifically stating that they didn't feel like those movies were good and that they're trying to continue on the franchise from where it should have continued from. Or last good. Otherwise, the first one. Yeah, exactly. They're they're trying to breathe life into it. And when you try to breathe life into something, you don't walk over to the dead carcasses. You go over to the beating heart. Right. And I'm so I'm trying to figure out how I feel about this approach or this strategy, because part of me feels once it becomes a big mess like that, you got to start over. You got to start over. You got to clean the slate. Or what's also fun is to just continue the off the rails wackiness and just try to pick up whatever pieces you can and just push it forward with more absurdity, which I also approve of. It's this, we're going to rewrite it and put our own history into it and ignore things because then it starts to get real sloppy. Then you're starting to get weird like conspiracy tack board yarn strings all over the place when you start looking at IMDb uh, filmography histories. But you know what? Fuck it. Why not? If you want to make a big mess and just f- say, hey, we're going to restart the series, but minus parts three, four, five, and six, eight, 
9, 10, 11, or we're just going to go and restart it all together, or we're going to do new actors. Uh, who, who knows? It's, uh, it looks like anything goes. That said, I can't say a whole lot of good or bad really about it. I mean, it's great. They're going with a better plot idea for a sequel uh, like they should have had, should have originally. So that that works out. Uh, the music sounds good. It's faster. So I imagine that Michael's also going to be faster. I saw some of that, which means it's probably going to be more brutal overall. Uh, well, I think they're going to address the issue of him only killing three people in the original movie. And so they're probably going to kill a whole lot more this time. Um, well, the original uh, the original sequel wouldn't have been able to do this Grambo storyline. Right, Grambo. That's that. That's good. That that works. I like Greer. She plays mm-hmm. uh, the daughter, so that that's interesting because she can pull off sort of like that serious, freaked out side of horror movies, even though she's more of a comedian. Um, and I like the guy playing the sheriff too. I he's love him. he's always great in these sort of like horror films. He brings that quiet dread to everything, which I super appreciate. So this has a chance. This has a chance to actually be pretty solid. I can't say it's going to be memorable, but it looks like it's going to be solid. And that's why I was I wanted to include it tonight since it's the elephant in the room, it being Halloween and everything, even though I didn't feel that passionate about it. Amanda, um, I'm excited. OK, good. I um, I, too, am excited. I understand the frustration or confusion around ignoring what 10 installments of a franchise Mm -hmm. or so but i also don't care i feel like horror movies and franchise they can do whatever the hell they want (laughs) i'm not going to keep track um i don't think most people are nathan do we have a rating a rating on halloween yeah like a like pg-13 rated r Hmm. it's rated r Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rated That's, R, one hour, 46 minutes. That is perfect. I was worried about a PG-13 rating because then it'll be lame. With an R, you might get some good kills. I also really appreciate Jamie Lee's like enthusiasm for her roots as like the original fucking Scream Queen and the fact that she'll still do this kind of stuff in her, what, late 60s. Mm-hmm. I I applaud her for that. Sure. Um, I'm into it. Uh, I'm excited about this. I mean, I don't think we're going to see it in the theater, but I can guarantee we'll pay to rent it when it comes out on, you know, on demand or whatever. Well, in regards, in regards to Jamie Lee Curtis taking part in this movie, thank you for bringing that point up, Amanda. That's great. Um, I don't know if any of you are aware, but, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis chose to reprise her role of Laurie Strode only after family friend Jake Gyllenhaal convinced Jamie Lee Curtis to do it. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, I don't know if so you knew. Are you saying that Jake forced himself on Jamie's thoughts? <laughs> he explained to her what she was missing out on. <laughs> well, I didn't know this, but Jamie uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is the unofficial godson of Jamie Lee Curtis, and yeah, he stepped in and helped convince her to reprise her role, and that's uh, that's interesting. Do you guys know who Jamie Lee Curtis's mom is? Oh, um, I, I I can't think of her name, but she's very famous. She's a Hollywood Janet family. Lee from Psycho. Yes. Oh, there you go. Yeah, her mom's the original Scream Queen. I yeah. Mean, you know when <clears throat> slashers had their heyday in the late yeah. 70s. And her father is Tony Curtis. Ew. Hollywood family, Hollywood royalty, and Jalen Hall is the unofficial godson because he's a charm. He's come on, come on. He's charming, right? Charmpocalypse. He's gonna. He's I don't think anybody knew he was charming when he was a baby. Oh, I feel like he just creeps up on people's christenings, and they're just like, "Yeah, yeah, you can be the Godfather, sure." Jake Gyllenhaal, what are you doing at my 
thing. What, what is this? Um, just super serious. Goes into like a straight up movie dialogue monologue. Can we can we talk about Danny McBride's involvement in this and why that's weird? I didn't, um, I didn't, I, yes. I didn't see him. <laughs> he's the writer. He's a writer. Oh wow. Well, he's involved with the writing with the director David Gordon Green. I think they're like a team or a duo. So they're trying to like bridge the gap between Rob Zombie's remake mm-hmm. and the original and find a kind of fall somewhere in between. <laughs> well, that's that's a good point too. Is that the Rob Zombie ones are kind of tossed to the side in the zombie closet and. To be honest with you, from someone who doesn't like feel a huge commitment towards horror franchises remaining intact or having continuity, I think like Amanda, like they horror, horror of all genres can just decide whatever the fuck they want to do and just break all the rules and be assholes, and it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I will... Daniel. Mm. Oh, mm-hmm. sorry. No, go ahead. I'm barging in here, Daniel. I watched the original Halloween. Yeah. And did Mike Myers? use a bunch of different weapons i thought it was just the knife yeah, i think he once he gets the knife from the house then he sticks with it he likes the knife after he gets it okay uh, i think he uses like his bare hands until he gets it right i, I don't i don't some, remember like, gas station this is really bad because i feel like i watched it like within a year and a half well, um let's talk about anyhow i'm really excited about uh mikey here yeah. just upgrading weapons 61 you years know. old faster yeah, More faster. Agile. <laughs> <laughs> you know, faster once at you, 60. Once you get 60, you're either fit or you're you're on your way out. One of the great YouTube comments I saw was plot twist. Michael Myers is just trying to find Laurie Strode to apologize. <laughs> right. It's like a Tucker and Dale thing. He keeps like trying to just push people out of the way, but they keep killing themselves by accident. <laughs> And also point out um, the film. The original film was two hours and fifteen minutes, and they cut it down to one forty-six. That was smart. And they intended to do two back-to-back movies, but decided to scale it back and leave it with one film. Say they'll learn from whatever happens and still try to push for a sequel. Hmm. Well, sure. of course they will. Although I feel like the tone of this movie and the way that they've decided to rewrite the history of the franchise sort of implies like wanting to go in and clean up a bunch of mess and maybe end it properly that well, would be nice but that's not but what they're gonna that's do that's not what they the, seem the to have sequel intended. the sequel will just be halloween 2028 right yeah just have jamie lee curtis in a, in a coffin right <clears throat> anyway i'm gonna say that i'm excited about this horror franchise being rejuvenated but i'm worried about the movie because i think it's gonna be like, I already know exactly what's going to happen in this movie. I don't need to watch it to know what happened. I'm pretty familiar with the formula. That's true. You'll be watching it just to see if it executes. Right. Oh, God damn it. Oh. <laughs> execution is near. Nonsense against you. It's near and dear to my heart, the execution. <laughs> <laughs> but he's 61. Oh, it's Grambo. It's Grambo. Uh. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay, fine. I'm excited about seeing if Grambo can execute. <laughs> it is. Like, what's that movie with all the old guys, all the old actors go to Vegas? Oh, I liked that movie. It, it, that's, this, Las this Vegas. Ha- yeah, this Halloween is kind of like last Halloween. Okay. Yeah, no. Okay, I'm, I've been turned. All right. <laughs> I think I'm going to do that on every single trailer tonight. Andrew, did you say you're excited as well? My thought on this is that it's going to be like um, Friday the 13th, where you watch just a bunch of bad horror movies. And then they remake it at the end, and it's really good. All right. I think it's going to be like that. What's that? So I'm uh, what's, what's that quote from uh, 
from that Friday the Thirteenth remake about the about the but boobies. He's got perfect nipple placement, baby. Right. <laughs> Classic line. Perfect, perfect nipple placement, baby. <laughs> okay, trailer number two tonight is a well. What do we got here? This is a bit. This is a bit off the beaten path. This is. It's a, a little weird. I, I wanted to give you guys like a real like bloody Oreo. Real friendly on the outsides, but we're gonna get real fucking weird in the middle here. <laughs> for your for your teeter tonight on the spectacular, we bring you Abracadabra. Abracadabra. Here we go. Not sure who should lead us off on this one. Uh, maybe it's going to be me. I'm going to lead us off on all of the trailers tonight. <laughs> Daniel, are you worried or excited about Abracadabra? Abracadabra. That was what a trailer. Just a long <laughs> string of weird ass music. Late 1960s <laughs> accoutrement. May I, uh, ask, may I ask you a question? Yes. Do you want a synopsis? Uh, yes. Can I take a quick guess at what the synopsis is? And oh. then let's see how different it is. And this might actually affect my judgment of this of this movie. Please. Is it a washed up down on his luck magician who starts to like get himself in a bad situations and he either makes a deal with somebody or a sexy young assistant comes into his life that changes everything and he thinks for the better, but it takes him down the path to hell. Hmm. Dead on. No, I'm kidding. Completely different. <laughs> <laughs> Completely different. Uh, Dante the Great, a prestigious magician, accidentally dies during a risky magic trick. 
35 years later, his son, Lorenzo, also a magician, presents a magic show in one of the most important theaters in the city. From then on, a series of murders begins to take place that will seek to incriminate him. Lorenzo must discover who and why they seek to involve him before it is too late. Okay. Yeah. Not at all what I thought it was. So I thought it wasn't, if it wasn't one of the ones that I just suggested, I thought it might also be like uh, a magician that's kind of gone off the rails and he's murdering his assistants during the magic tricks to make them look extra real and frightening to the audience and like playing it off mm. that maybe they could be real and they definitely are real. Maybe, I don't know that I like the idea of him killing off his assistants on stage. That's kind of cool. Maybe that does happen. Right, but I'm I'm down for whatever. There's something about this kind of look and style of a film that always brings me in. It's kind of like what was it, The Love Witch? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of got, got like a Love Witch vibe to it, and and I even admittedly um, <clears throat> mentioned that The Love Witch has 30 minutes of fluff in it. You can cut right out, and I have no doubt that this movie will have at least 20 minutes of fluff in it that can be cut right out. There's something about that <laughs> wacky old scary music and the 1960s vibe with all the like real clunky electronics and all the stylistic uh, women's dresses and the super close-ups of guys sweating with shifty eyes there's something about all of that that like hypnotizes me and draws me in and i feel like it's all gonna be kind of fun and there might even be like maybe a deep dark humorous element to it there's something about this that seems interesting uh to me nathan well i want to just point out that i think this guy um, the guy that made this movie probably has some some difficulty getting his movies made or financed. He strikes me as the kind of pretentious weirdo that uh, like would have a real big deal. Like if I don't get the film stock I want and I don't get to make every decision that I want to make, deal off. You know, right? Seems very picky. But the synopsis says to me that his father didn't really die. It's the greatest that, trick he ever pulled. That his father is the one who is seeking to mess with him for some reason. That his father is the one that's going to be behind it all at the end. And yeah, that grainy quality and the weird zoom-ins and the you know weird makeup that complements the film stock and the, I don't know, that girl on the bed with the blood everywhere. And like there's some weird shit going on in this movie and I am down. It's an hour and 30 minutes. You're telling me that weird shit is going to go on for 90 minutes? I'm 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 sure I'll be able to do that. So I'm going to say excited. Yeah, I that sounds right. If a if a hour and 50 minutes of Mandy can pull it off, we can do it an hour and a half with this. Amanda? Oh, if this was 2 hours and 20 minutes, I I don't know. Cuz these weird movies, right? You know, you can wane, you can fade a little ways yeah. into it, but an hour and 30, I think just the way it's done alone will keep you present, I think. Um y'all can go watch it together because I'm not Gonna watch <laughs> because and it, it, it's uh, like, like the love witch i tried to watch the love witch i couldn't get to the end because i was so bored it's all style and no substance there's nothing there to hook me it's too much like it's too much slow zoom onto a sweaty man's face <laughs> where's the dialogue where's the plot and i know that that's a problem with me it's not a problem with the movie but I just know I won't like it. But this one has a deep murder mystery involved, at least. It's not and just about a woman trying to make Ben fall in love with her. And it's 30 minutes shorter than The Love Witch. It's true. I don't know. I don't trust it. I'm very hesitant, worried. Intern? Uh, 
I would like to know, Nathan, don't answer this, but I would like to know where Nathan got the synopsis from because on IMDb, um, according to this, you're all correct. It can be whatever you want because you can add a plot to this movie. And you don't want me to answer it for you? What do you mean? It's like a psychedelic dream? It just has a link to add a plot. There's no plot. And you don't want me to answer IMDb. Yeah. (laughs) Obviously, you got it from someplace. Probably IMDb Pro. (laughs) My IMDb Pro Plus. Pro Plus save the day. Actually, no, the answer you're seeking. Make it up. No. No, I did not make it up. Um, I Googled it and it came up. Under, uh, I think either either it was at. Wait a minute here, just a second. Google saves the day. Uh, yeah, you know when you Google things and the movie comes up on the side and it has the Rotten Tomato and the Meta and all the stuff underneath it. That's where I got it from. Uh, this reminds me more of. Uh, it gives me a Greasy Strangler vibe than a Love Witch vibe. <laughs> it's kind of like the both. And <laughs> I actually thought the Greasy Strangler was the Strangler was hilarious. And the love witch was a little much on the art side. Yeah. So if it does the combo well, this could be fantastic. I'm worried. <laughs> <laughs> can we do a just because you brought up the greasy strangler? Can we do a shout out to his follow up movie that is not on this lineup that also came out today? What is it? It is a comedy crime movie, and it is called An Evening with Beverly Lufflin, and it has Aubrey Plaza and Jermaine Clement. I wonder if she's covered in grease. No, there's no grease in it, but it it looks very um, odd, as you would expect it to. Fulcrum of the Fulcrum episode. Daniel, you picked it. Apostle. Apostle. Apostle, here we go. Thomas, your sister, she's gone. These people, they're blasphemers, a cult, a disease. Bring her home. Name, Thomas Richardson. I dream of a world in which each waking day we rise equal. This island, it's our paradise. We have an intruder on our land, and we have to find him. Your eyes. They've seen things. Who are you? shall be cleansed according to the edict of this land. The promise of the divine is but an illusion. God is pain. God is suffering. Beware false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Let us begin.
All right, Daniel. Are you worried or excited about Apostle? Whew. What a wild ride that trailer is. What to think. It's a Netflix movie. The people or the creators or cinematographers or choreographers or whatever it was from the Raid franchise are involved. Uh, a writer, writer, director of the Raid. That's that's a very this is a very interesting mix going on here for me. I, I actually watched this trailer multiple times after you had sent it to me because my first reaction to it was sort of dismissive. And then I went back to it because something was lingering with me. And the more I see it, the more I want to see it. It's got seemingly the best vibes from a bunch of movies. Uh, I feel like there's a little bit of Wicker Man vibe in here. Mm-hmm. I feel like the part of... Uh, of the village that was interesting before the whole movie made you roll your eyes is in here. There's a mystery going on, a guy returning to find his sister. There's cult stuff, religious stuff going on, people freaking out, people in masks, uh, bodies being dragged about and a bunch of torture devices and people being sucked into stuff. I feel like this has a lot of potential to be something very dense with like horror mythology stuff. It looks cool. I'm super excited. Not sure how the rest of you feel. Intern? I am of the opinion that this looks like the first real movie Netflix has made. Right? It doesn't have that veneer that most of their films have. I say that thinking that Okja is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Okja! But this, this trailer looks like a real movie for the first time for Netflix. So I'm pretty excited to see what can be a polished film come out. And I know that there's going to be a few this year because Netflix is trying to get some Oscar love. Uh, so this is hopefully the beginning of what's turning into great movies by Netflix. Excited. Whew. I like that. Amanda? Mm, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I am not interested in this movie for the same reason that my husband seems to be into it. And that's that there's too much. There's too many elements here, which makes me think, suspect that it will be convoluted and messy, not make any sense and quite possibly be slow. Or if it's not, even if it's fast paced, I won't feel connected to anybody anyway, because there's too much happening all at once, too much data. Too much shit blasting at my face. I'm worried. <laughs> like Bible scriptures being screamed at you yeah. while there's crazy music and someone's being slammed into an Iron Maiden. I know why you like it. I get it. <laughs> I have a layered response to this movie. I appreciate being allowed to go last. Uh, first of all, it has my favorite YouTube comment of the night. I didn't even um, copy and paste the comment. It was just this big diatribe by someone about why does they always feel the need to cast religion in this cultish way? Religion, <laughs> religion doesn't need to be done that way. Wah. Let's, you know, hey, there's a lot of those movies out there, whoever you are. I'm sure you can find one that I think it has Kirk Cameron in it and possibly uh, some other douchebags, and it's uh, it's in the other direction. Okay, on to this movie. I think I figured out what the problem is with Netflix. I've solved the mystery, everybody. Okay. The mystery is that there's a delicate balance with uh, studio movies, and that delicate balance is uh, all, all throughout the years, I personally have vilified um, producers, thinking they were just money men, they were sitting in chairs being assholes, but... They actually keep directors in check. Netflix is handing 
these creative guys like Gareth Evans, director and writer of The Raid and Raid 2, they lure them with blank checks and they say, hey, do whatever the fuck you want. You have complete creative carte blanche and we will back away. And what you end up with is a two hour and 10 minute horror movie that they don't know how to edit. They don't know how to whittle down. They don't have anybody keeping them in check. This movie is going to be too long and it's not going to achieve the desired effect. I am worried. And I say this. There is good potential for some jerking off in this. That's that's exactly what what these movies are for Netflix. It is guys being given blank checks and jerking off to themselves in the mirror. We saw it with Mute, where the guy who made Moon made a piece of shit. And we also saw it with, I don't know, you guys haven't seen it probably, but Hold the Dark came out on Netflix. Watch that. Oh, no, it's bad. It's not bad. It's just not anywhere near Green Room. Or Blue Ruin. So, I mean, it just says to me that, I mean, Jeremy Saulnier, I think, is a bit better at whittling it down himself, and it's not a bad movie. It's just not anywhere near the other two. So it says to me that they just don't know how to do it without somebody, you know, standing behind them being an asshole. Right. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a fair critique. And there's and plus, beyond that, too, there's no real accountability with a release on Netflix, right? Like, there's yeah. no box office. There's nothing to, right. like... Right, they can oh, lie or obfuscate an, their own... That's an yeah. excellent add-on, Amanda, is that they don't... they As a policy, they don't release viewership numbers. And I think that started around the Adam Sandler contract. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> right. right. They're just like, hey, it's here. You're going to watch it eventually because you're going to run out of other shit to watch. Um, but yeah, I that, think that the critique is fair. At the same time, I would say the counterbalance to that is you get some you get some scenes or ideas that you would never see played out anywhere else because a producer would be like no and that's fair too this is gareth evans director writer of the raid and raid 2 i saw i think daniel made me watch the raid 2 that shit's nuts this guy's nuts this is gonna be parts of it are gonna be nuts i just don't know if it's gonna be executed (sighs) trailer number four tonight i was very proud of myself In the totter. <laughs> In the Tata is Suspiria, the remake. Suspiria, twenty eighteen. Here. We go. At the beginning, she gave me things. Perfect balance. Perfect sleep. She wants to get inside of me. I can feel her. When you dance the dance of another, you make yourself in the image of its creator. I feel like I'm not even here yet. The dumpling's incredible. One, two, three. The way she transmits her work. You have to decide what is it you want to be for this company. There's more in that building than what you can see, Doctor. Dangerous people. Hey, 
Mazos. Prix Gott, Prix Devil. Maso Tenebrarum, Maso Lacrimarum und Maso Suspiriorum. Darkness, Tears und Sighs. You're making some kind of deal with them. Right, Daniel, are you worried or excited about Suspiria 2018? I'm going to say I'm happy to see this remake treated with such uh, respect. Uh, it looks it looks good. It looks solid. It looks like it's trying to, to recapture uh, some of that satanic, ritualistic vibe that's so creepy. Tilda Swinton's in here. You've got Tom York from Radiohead doing the score. Uh there's a lot of quality connected to this. It looks quality. I would have a hard time believing that anyone would be super worried about this unless they had a really strong attachment to the original, which I think it a good, it's a good point for me to admit now. This is part of my horror guilt and shame is that I haven't seen the original Suspiria. And I think I might avoid it going into this remake just to give this remake more of a, sh- of a fair chance since it seems to look as good as it does. And I think... Also, that the Suspiria trailer that we just watched, even though it shares a similar sort of psychedelic old school vibe as Abracadabra, I think it's maybe lacking the parts of Abracadabra that you aren't into, Amanda. Is that right? Yeah. <clears throat> and it has all the good parts of it without all the bad parts. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's why I included it here. Uh, I think it. I think it. I think it looks good, and I'm actually excited to go watch this, and then almost immediately go watch the original right afterward. Mm-hmm. Amanda, um, I am. I've been looking forward to this movie for a very long time since I knew that it was being made. Um, I also have never seen the original, but I one I am very intrigued by the satanic stuff, the ritual stuff, and then also I know what like dance environments can be like and how toxic they can be in terms of like like an overwhelming desire to be the best especially for young women. I mean, I can see the temptation there. It's, it's very like Black Swan kind of captures that as well. Right. Is, is like the way religion works to horror? Is it in the female sect of that? Is it the way dance works with horror? That's the ultimate pairing? Yeah, I, I think so, at least for me. I also, um, I love Dakota Johnson. I know that she's made some awful movies, but even those bad movies, I pretty much like all of them. Um, so I, I'm excited to see her in this. The only negative I will say, and it's it's like it, it cuts both ways for me because I really like her. I really like Chloe Grace Moretz, but she's sort of kryptonite in the sense that she ma- she chooses the worst movies without fail. She did damage the Carrie remake. Yeah. So 
that. And then she was in that fifth wave thing. And like, she's just made some really, really, really bad movie choices. So I'm kind of like, I want you to be better. Maybe this is your chance to redeem yourself and be in something really great. I am excited. And this is one that we will see at the theater. And I'll add to that. I'm glad to see Italians coming back into horror. Mm -hmm. I think they represent half of the trailers on tonight's lineup. They helped establish the horror genre in the beginning in the 70s. So I'm glad that they're making a cycle back through. Is that an excited from you, Amanda? Yes. Nathan? Two hours, 32 minutes. (laughs) Fuck. It's a long one, yeah. I echo a lot of your sentiments. Um, I, I echo a lot of everything that all of you have said. Dakota Johnson talking about the intensity of the shoot and how she had to go through therapy. But I also agree that even though she was in the Fifty Shades trilogy, she has so much presence that she still appears to be a very legitimate threat in the acting world. Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, I think that maybe supporting actress is where you belong. I I don't think that you're a lead. I think that Hit Girl was like such a weird phenomenon in Kick-Ass for her. And she was like, I'm going to be a lead actress. And everybody was like, no, you're not. (laughs) <laughs> nope, well, no, you're not. <laughs> to say to say that she made poor decisions choosing movies, and maybe that is true, it also could be true that she just didn't have much to choose from because nobody was willing to give her leading roles. Yeah, that's, that's But weird. on paper, I think that those movies look like they probably could be quality, right? Oh, maybe. You can spin things however you want, asshole. This is my time. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> I like that Dakota Johnson completed two years of ballet training on preparation for a role in the film. I like that she's committed. It means that there's going to be a lot of uh, intensity to her performance. I am afraid of like thinking, meh, Portman was better in Black Swan. But <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's horror films. The, the YouTube comment I have for this is somebody said it's horror films like this that prove the genre deserves its own category at the Oscars. Yeah. Just because the like the artisticness of this movie is is something else. the The trailer is very hypnotic. I ended up listening to the one part like three times over, where it said three mothers, three gods. I think he says pre devil, and then he says yeah. darkness, tears, and sighs. So there is a a mother goddess of darkness, of tears, and of sighs. I don't know. I'm I'm in. I'm excited. It's it's I'm, this may burn me big time, but I don't know. I am also interested in watching the original as well. It it makes me think back to I, I have done it very few times in my life, but when I was a video store manager, I watched Poseidon and Pos- the Poseidon Adventure, and I'd never seen either one back to back same night, and I yeah. ended up I ended up liking the original a lot more, which was kind of like an eye opener for me. So the other stunning thing is that the original is like forty five minutes shorter than this. It's one hour exactly shorter. One hour shorter. Why do they add an hour? <laughs> okay, well, I'm so, going to finish with Excited. I'm going to hand it over to you, Enter. I watched this, the original, recently. And when I was done, I thought to myself, this was a quality film. I just wish it was longer. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> For real. For real. Are you serious? For real. And now that I see that this is an hour longer, I think they're going to hit on all the points they didn't have the opportunity to, and it's going to be a great movie. I see room for that hour. It can be filled up with with a lot of juicy, juicy meat flesh. <laughs> if I can watch <laughs> the eyes. two hours, I can watch this for two and a half. Yeah. It's uh, maybe two and a half is maybe an hour is a little excessive, but 
there's room throughout the whole original where they could have added extra time to make it more impactful is my thinking. I liked it and I'll be watching this in the theater next week or whenever it comes out. The director is a talking After point. Halloween. The director is a talking point too because he was he did Call Me By Your yeah, Name. Call Me By Your Name was nominated for best director and then he got got this right after. So he's he's a he's a hot item this director. And he also did a bigger splash TPP throwback. Yeah, yeah, we did a bigger splash on the podcast as Tilda well. Swinton. And also Tilda Swinton yeah. is a national treasure. She belongs in all these weird so fucked up movies. Excited for anything that Tilda Swinton's in. Think we'll get to see Dakota Johnson's tits? Mm. <laughs> Haven't we seen her pussy? No, I don't see it. I feel like I've definitely seen like the little curvature oh, yeah. <laughs> of her pussy from behind. See it inside of her already. Okay, uh, Slaughterhouse Rules, five hole. We went through a lot of weird and serious. Let's end on something funny. Slaughterhouse rules. Here we go. Did you get my note about the no-go areas? Um, I cannot have pupils wandering about in the middle of the night. These things always end up in a bloody mess. Welcome all to Slaughterhouse. This is the school pecking order. At the top, we have to bat. In the middle, Clemsy Lawrence. Watch where you're looking. And then down at the bottom, Wooten. Who's Wooten? That's Wooten. Hello. I'm afraid Mr. Prigg will be unable to teach today or ever again. He died here, alone. Anyway. There's something in the woods. What the devil? That hole is a gateway. And it leads straight down to hell. Now, who wants to buy some drugs? They just ate half the upper sink. Now we can blow shit up. Language wouldn't. Children, save yourselves to the scooter. All right, I'm going as fast as I can. You're making me nervous. Seatbelts, everyone. Stop worrying what they're going to do. Eat you alive. (laughs) Delicious. All right, Daniel, lead us off for the fifth and final time this evening. Slaughterhouse rules. Worried or excited? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and put down an excited only because there's nothing super fantastic about this trailer or even this idea uh, for this film. But horror comedy can go bad so easily or just be drawn out or not funny or just stupid or miss the mark or completely fail. And I feel like these guys, these British guys in particular, I feel like they've proven themselves at least a couple of times, if not every time that they can pull off this genre. So I'm going to put my trust in them, appreciate that there's a little bit of an R-rated Harry Potter gone wrong, and uh, 
try and ride with the fun of it and hope it all works out. Excited. Nathan? Well, this is the second trailer with Michael Sheen in it tonight. He was also right. in Apostle. Right. Um, what else do we got here? This is the first monster-based movie because monsters come out of that hole in the ground. A Oh, it, it, the sinkhole appears at a nearby fracking site, unleashing unspeakable horror. How contemporary. Nope, uh, a little political. Yeah, written and directed by Crispian Mills. Crispian, that name bothers me. Hmm. There's an Crispian? actress. Yeah, yeah we, we accept Crispins, but no Crispians. <laughs> yeah, Crispian is a little weird. Uh, there's a, a character in the movie named Clemsy Lawrence, and it's played by an actress named Hermione. <laughs> okay. Wow. Her real name is Hermione. Okay, I don't know what to do. I really don't, because the trailer does not really spin my wheel around at all. But at the same time, you're right. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost have a, have a track record. I expect to have a Paul experience with this, where I kind of half-heartedly dismiss it and not expect anything from it. And then six months to a year from now, I check it out and I'm pleasantly surprised that it was a hell of a lot better than I thought it was going to be. We're excited. <laughs> Amanda? Um, I'm excited. I think I, um, well, obviously I have probably the most fondness for Harry Potter. And so I am enthusiastic about a spoofy horror comedy based on that sort of idea. Um, yeah, the Simon Pegg and Frost have never let me down. I do think that it is critical that you not have high expectations though. Like we're all saying like, if you think it's going to be great, you probably will be disappointed. But if you go in just expecting like, hopefully I can get a few good chuckles out of this, you'll get that and you'll be, you'll enjoy yourself for a couple hours. And and sometimes that's all I want is some mindless, happy fun. And this fits the bill. I'm excited. There's also another point to bring up here too. And that's that this Crispian Mills uh, fellow, um, just from his bio or his IMDb page, you can tell that he is uh, a friend of um, Simon Pegg. Because there's a there's an old Simon Pegg movie in 2012 called The Fantastic Fear of Everything. No, I've seen it. And that is his. So I, I, I think that this could be like just, you know, Frost and Peg giving this guy a, a shot at uh, at a substantial career, maybe, and maybe this is the beginning of something. Maybe this is the beginning of a working relationship, like they created with Edgar Wright. Because a lot of the comments on YouTube, everybody's like, "Yeah, the fourth installment in the something something trilogy," and it's like, "No, in no, the no." Cornetto trilogy. Yeah, in the Cornetto trilogy, and it's not. It's this different director, so it's not that. And everybody thinks it is that. And it's like astounding how many people just assume that that's what this is. But it's not that. And it's, I don't know. It's, <clears throat> that's, that's, it's an interesting tidbit because I remember that fantastic fear of everything. And I remember thinking this movie could have been really good. It just was, it just, just missed the mark. So I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe he learned some lessons. <laughs> And maybe, and, and you know, it's not just Peg and uh, and Frost here. It's also Asa Butterfield, and it's also Michael Sheen. Right. So, and I don't remember seeing Michael Sheen and Asa Butterfield in all of the Cornetto movies. So maybe this is more on the mark than the other one. I think there's there's a reason to have hope. Or and I'm hoping that the kids play a. I'm hoping that the kids are funny and that right. they carry a good chunk of the movie because yeah, it can get you know a little bit 
burdensome for the same two guys to carry the whole movie. And we know how the intern feels about kids. Intern? (laughs) Uh, So I used to have a disdain for horror films. And I've just come to the realization that I probably like more horror films than comedy films. Wow. (laughs) I didn't see any dancing. There are children. This looks bad. I hate comedy. Worried. (laughs) Those are some of my rules for horror. Hey, if we can win you over to horror, but your disdain for comedy remains, I'll take it. You know what I think, intern? I think this needs to be longer. What needs to be longer? <laughs> well, this, I think we see. If, it, if it was, yeah. Squeeze a few more minutes in. If it was about an hour longer, I think you'd be in. Oh, well, no. No, that doesn't happen because when things try to be funny, they're funny for 30 seconds. And then if it was longer, that would be even more time spent with other people laughing and me grinding my teeth thinking this is bullshit such a grump but intern only has room in his heart for one horror or comedy and if he wants to give it to horror i'm okay with that that joke sailed five feet over his head okay yeah Alright everybody, welcome to the roundtable of episode 106, the Halloween Spooktacular, where we we decompress. We chit-chat about movies we've watched, we uh, reflect on the episode that was, and we entertain you with our charismatic and energetic personalities. How's everybody feeling tonight? Woo! <laughs> I am properly spooked. <laughs> and it's too spooky. It's too spooky. And yes, we have seen... Uh, a film of which we will discuss. Uh, who's leading us off on this roundtable tonight, Nathan? Uh, well, I feel like we reject the intern a lot and don't allow him to go first in many situations, so I don't see why that should change. Right. I watched The Sisters Brothers. The Sisters Brothers. Jake Gyllenhaal, John C. Riley. Anybody else seen The Sisters Brothers? No. No. It just came out, out here. You want, me to be, you want me to be vague? I know you've read the book. Yes. I will be vague, and I will say that I'm, uh, it wasn't, the, the trailer is not what that movie is. The trailer said that good movie. Good or bad way. Well, the trailer said it was going to be a comedy slash kind of goofy thing. And it was that for a certain portion of the movie. But the movie changes in a way you don't anticipate. And it's not a good or a bad thing. It's just not expected. And I'm kind of, I, I don't know. I, I have a problem. I hype up Hall movies too, <laughs> mu- too much. Really? And it, Yeah. Yeah. Serious. <laughs> Now I don't know if that's the problem. Stuck in your teeth and you're like, hmm. I think the problem is not that you hype it up too much. It's that your expectations are too high. That's exactly what hyping it up too much means. No, you can get hyped up about <laughs> something and still have low expectations. Guys, back me up on that. I do feel like you just perfectly rephrased that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I... I do. Yes, you're you're right. In turn, I think you're I, scared of heights, Nathan. It's I, just that you're wildly uncomfortable up high. <laughs> <laughs> just that you love the ground too much. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel, for that. That's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. I have too many expectations. Fine. Uh, Fine. Uh, 
You know what? It's it's fine. There's nothing wrong with the movie. It's fine. I don't recommend uh, going to the theater. Mm. Well, I'm going on Tuesday. Well, no, actually, here's let me rephrase that. I don't recommend uh, Daniel and Amanda watch it at all. I don't. I do recommend that the intern go watch it in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> It's called. I just. I just don't recommendation differentiation. Yeah, and I don't. Honestly, I don't think Amanda and Daniel will care at all about that movie at all, even a little bit. And I think that the intern, because he read the book, I think he'll get a lot out of it. I think he'll like it, but more than I did. And I think he should definitely go see it in the theater. And I think he should jerk off while he does it. I will. No, when doesn't he? Never. Can't keep his hand off his pizzle. No, Phantom Thread barely through the opening credits. Pants already off. Yep. Somebody else take the mic. Uh, let's all talk about bad times at the El Royale. I have not oh. seen it. Oh. So we still have to be vague for Nathan. Uh, Dakota Johnson's great. Here, may- maybe maybe intern will feel about that movie the same way that Amanda and I sort of walked away. Here, you know what? I'll give you guys, just just do it. Do whatever you're going to do. Talk about it. It's fine. Chelsea wants to go see it a lot, so I'll probably end up going to watch it no matter what. So just do whatever you're going to do. Well, here's the thing. Like, I st- I don't think I would tell someone not to go see it. It just maybe I can be maybe I can maybe it's better if I just break it down real simple. Half of the the things that need to make a movie great in that movie they did, and then the other half they seem to have some struggle with. So like tone and pacing problems, yeah. casting, writing, directing, all great, perfect. Can Jeff Bridges be blamed for any of it? Uh, uh no. No, no, not really. I don't think it actually fell on any of the actors. It was just sort of... She hates him. She hates Jeff Bridges. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of him. He's in there quite a bit, yeah. He kind of becomes the focal point, actually, for a good portion. Yeah. Um, yeah, My, I, I, we spent a lot of time thinking and talking about the movie after we watched it, which I would say is a, is a good thing, whether you end up falling Generally. pro or con, like... A movie that keeps your attention and keeps you sort of engaged with it after the fact, I think that that's always a positive. Yeah. And you, keep, and you keep, and you, while you're talking, you're like, and this part. And whoa, remember that thing? Like, there's so much to go back through. That's why I can't really say it's bad or that I, that I wouldn't recommend it. I actually would tell people to go see it. It just didn't have that, like, fly by the seat of your pants sort of promise that the, that the trailer had. Yeah. Intern, what did you think? I thought uh, this person did a fantastic job at trying to make a Quentin Tarantino movie. Sure. There's a little Quentin in there, yeah. Oh, uh, it's it's so... I feel like this person watched all of Quentin Tarantino's movies and was like, okay, I'm going to make... I'm going to make one of his movies. Yeah. The and the first, reason, the first make- time someone else has made a Tarantino movie. Is that what you're trying to establish? Oh, maybe. It's kind of, yeah, it's a little bit in the vein of Tarantino, but it was kind of like you wanted it to have that. There's a whole lot of gears going on at once. There's a murder mystery happening. All these characters that are playing with each other and you want everything to be dark and violent, but also really funny and lighthearted. And it does like, those points sometimes but then other times in the movie it gets really fucking serious and I you're like, like whoa this wasn't <laughs> what i was expecting at all i liked it when i was leaving the theater there was a bunch of people that were like man that movie was way too long and i, I don't have that problem i don't know you think it was too long no i don't think it was too long yeah that wasn't much of a concern either it was just that it like it like seemed like it was ramping up real hard, and then it kind of like kind of just lulled for a bit, and then ramp back up, and then lull again. Yeah, when we say pacing, I think we mean that it just felt like disjointed. Yeah, like at oh, okay, some, it was going really fast, and then like oh, we're gonna we're gonna take it, we're gonna slow down. No, oh, this stuff. It, it was just 
wasn't consistent from the pace, and then the and the tone was weird. <laughs> just want you to edge it. And, and I and I think I, I think I get where your where your Tarantino connection is because I because I did say in our conversation back to the car after we watched it that was a lot like four rooms. Yeah, well, it's which structure he's responsible it's like chapter for one, one, this character, chapter yeah. two, that character, how they all interconnect. Yeah. So does separating things into chapters and and doing like black screens with white lettering does that make something a Tarantino movie? Hmm. Oh, it was still it was in that style. Yeah, it, I I connected it more to four rooms. Like Kill Bill specifically. It's like Kill Bill, but told in a straight line or a more straight line. Yeah, it was a tough one to wait to, to like kind of meter out and in, in, in your it might be worth you watching it and then us discussing it again next episode. Okay, fair. That's fair. That's fair. Who wants to talk about First Man? Didn't see it. Didn't see it. Uh, I liked it more than you. You don't have to see it. <laughs> <laughs> uh you don't unless you're really interested in like the apollo era of space no, that part informative it in, it informs you about the gemini and apollo program tells you about a bunch of useless shit about neil armstrong's life that you don't need to know and what else does it do now, it, lots uh, of people are upset that uh, neil armstrong doesn't come across as someone that you can connect with which it, it I think is how he is as a normal human being. It, so it horribly like an, fails to reach. Thing to say. It horribly fails to reach the Apollo 13 benchmark. Uh, <laughs> doesn't even come close to Apollo 13 at all. Uh, uh, Damien Chazelle is, is a one-off cool. with Whiplash, and he is uh, sliding out of my radar quickly. If you watch um, the right stuff, and then First Man, and then Apollo 13, you'll have a a really good history on the. Uh, space program and you'll finish with a headache because of all the shaky cam hey, you finish with the space cowboys oh, no you'd finish with apollo 13 because that's the timeline so well, you'd apollo be happy. <laughs> right you'll have to take a break with a headache before you watch <laughs> apollo 13 look i get shaky cam when rockets are launching people into space it adds to it i get when somebody's descending out of the atmosphere trying to fucking do something crazy in an airplane and the fucking shaky cam is going crazy i get all that that works that that helps the movie but when you're having a sentimental conversation after midnight walking down a dark street you don't need that shaky cam anymore you can turn that off that's fine <laughs> oh yeah you you just put the nail in the coffin for me i hate Hate, hate, shaky cam. Can't do it. It's, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's just like this artistic nonsense that directors think they need to do. And it seems like certain directors grow out of it uh, before they get applauded for their work. And certain directors who get applauded too early on continue to use it. Greengrass? Greengrass, yeah. Well, he's a problem. A lot of That's the kind of like a problem. The Bourne movies like, suffer from his, from his like terrible the, the Born The Bourne movies... I feel like he's always trying to put a camera on a bicycle, like down by where the pedals are. Yeah. Like that, that shots in every Bourne movie. The first Bourne movie is far superior because different director, no shaky cam. Yeah, exactly. The first, the first Bourne movie is awesome. The the later two have to have too much shaky cam and that, other bullshit that he made with Matt Damon had too much shaky cam. Greengrass, his best movie is probably Captain Phillips. It has nothing to do with And there's shaky cam in that also. There is shaky cam in that as well, but I didn't mind uh, that movie for some it's reason. Less, less bad because it feels kind of accurate on a boat. Maybe that's it, but I don't know. I Hey, everybody, just go watch a couple Villeneuve movies and then watch some more shaky cam and, and you'll understand what we're talking about. Yeah, just go watch Arrival. No, don't watch Arrival because you won't fucking Runner, understand it. Just go watch 
Prisoners or Enemy or Blade Runner. Don't why is Arrival your first one? People were fucking confused by that fucking movie. Arrival is a cinematic masterpiece. Is it? Yeah. Just explain the ending. <laughs> Get on board, Nathan. Explain the ending in five minutes. Go. Just watch it again. I'm sorry that you need more time to digest and your brain's not as evolved to no, catch I didn't, what's didn't going on. No, I didn't want to bring a journal and a poetry book to the movie with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Fucking ass. Sorry, I don't speak your octopus ink language. <laughs> you should. It's uh, cyclical. I have an appreciation for that movie, yeah. Do you walk out with like a little <laughs> smile on your face and like go to a coffee shop and just like stare at the photographs on the wall and the frames and stuff after the movie's over? <laughs> no. Have a little moment for yourself? Okay. <clears throat> so basically, first man, interesting. I, w- I was hoping that like the landing on the moon and all that stuff would be like really impactful. Oh, they just kind of blew over it, eh? And it's it was okay. I mean, it's not a bad movie. I just don't think Chazelle is... Like, Whiplash was amazing, and the rest of his work is... He's on notice. You better make a fucking good movie next time, Chazelle, or you are in the shitter. I'm giving you one more chance to redeem Oof. yourself. Uh, do you know what he has planned? No. Neither do I. What if he well, What if he brings Jake in? Oh, instant forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> he won't, though. Not yet. Not yet, anyway. It'll take a while. Jake only works with... Uh, with uh, true artists proven artists oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> all right what do we want to talk about next i didn't have a chance to see it yet but i might be watching it after this or tomorrow evening sometime i went ahead and bought myself a 4k blu-ray edition of the puppet master reboot oh that oh, yeah. uh oh shit isn't the guy from um bone tomahawk involved yes and you know you can go to netflix right now and watch apostle right and watch apostle yeah it came out on the 12th Ooh, that might be for next weekend. <laughs> we're we're going to have to set the situation right for that viewing. Yeah. Okay. You looked over at her and she was just like, no. <laughs> I'm going to have to like <laughs> bind Amanda's wrists and ankles. And I've like got to like maybe tie her to a cold table with with, with studded spikes on it just to make the situation, just make the, make, make the viewing feel real. You need a theme. You could have gone like a, ooh, we're going to have a fun, you know, Lady. Like I like I trick you like it's yeah like ooh fantastic 50, lady 50 shades day. night yeah, and then and I turn apostle on like, oh. <laughs> but no you just went with just torture <laughs> they call this the metal bulb it goes in your butt <clears throat> so uh, Daniel you would be you'd be happy I'm doing a horror month <gasps> are you doing yeah. 31 and 31 I'm I'm trying to get there I have a couple questionable films in here. Uh, but uh, it's it's looking pretty good so far. Are you, are you really trying to do like a horror movie a day in October? Yeah, yeah. I started with uh, 1931 Dracula and then The Fly. I actually watched that with Caruso a couple uh, of years ago. It's interesting because nothing happens on camera. Right. It's all like bleh. Yeah, yeah. The Fly was great though. Yeah, Fly is great. Yeah, I rewatched Carrie, which uh, I gave that a, a really low score for some reason. So you're, you're your first time around and you feel different yeah. now? Much differently, yeah. Yeah, I, I think Gary's great. <laughs> yeah. Nathan's playing some A Star is Born music. Yeah, bring it out, Amanda. Ain't it hard keeping it so hardcore? I'm falling. In all the good times, I find myself longing for change. 
breaking, breaking copyright laws, but oh yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, she hated it. She, she hated it. That's not. <laughs> that's not true. Um, yeah, no. I thought it'd be fun to bring in some music on on that one because I think everybody's seen it except Daniel. Yep. I watched it twice. Yeah, I know. And I own the soundtrack. I. <laughs> yeah, me too. I I do have some criticisms, but I don't think that it's fair to air them out in this arena because it was very entertaining and I feel like a fuddy-duddy airing out criticisms about it. So, I I don't know. I enjoyed watching it. The music is very good. It's it's a solid solid movie. I recommend it. I think the uh sound was something phenomenal. It sounded like you were at a concert. Yeah. For- concert stuff well yeah and we non-concert stuff still also sounded everything sounded so real like i was there for every every spot well because they actually did it live at concerts yeah (laughs) which yeah but it's even like when you record though live at a concert it usually sounds like shit that's fair okay so you tip your cap to bradley cooper and you say well done on that part of the movie done yeah and yeah. I want to say that we watched it in Banff and this like gaggle of drunk girls came in and sat down ne- near us and they were very talkative and very irritating throughout all of the previews and we're like, oh, here we go, right? But the music part of that movie shut their mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it did. It shut them all up. It was impressive, actually. They were they were uh, hypnotized by it. As, my girl, my yeah. girl Stephanie. There you go. There you go. Yeah, no, solid movie. A Star is Born. Daniel, when are you going to go watch it? Oh, probably whenever Amanda buys it. <laughs> yeah. You're going to miss out on the audio experience. Yeah. There's a, there's a, we got good audio down here. I mean, I've just never, you know, and I, it's a very like melodramatic movie, okay? Like it's heavy handed oh. on this like. <laughs> Cooper's a creeper. This love story. <laughs> and, and, yeah, I mean, obviously it's a love story, but I mean, I. I'm not exaggerating in that I bolted out of the theater because I couldn't stop crying. <laughs> and I was full on embarrassed at the response I had to it. <laughs> like, uh, I, I really did. I loved it. I, I mean, I thought that there were things that I would have changed about too. I do think that it sort of like waned a little bit late in the second act. Like it, it kind of got a little slow and, um, see, I, I need, but, I need to hear your feedback to know what I can say and what I can't say. <laughs> you want Nathan I don't really care well no because like uh, pissed off I agree that the first half of that movie is like exceptional like the first half is like punch to the gut awesome and the end and the end and the very end yeah well I don't know I feel like there's this like low-hanging fruit joke that just kind of like hangs out in front of me that's just like well it's it's got the wrong title you know shouldn't be called a star is born it should be called you know douche stars dead a, a douchebag <laughs> douchebag kills himself because <laughs> he's kind of a douchebag when he's you... a super douchebag yeah he's an extremely flawed person yeah no that's fair but you can't help who you love nathan i get it i get it <laughs> no that's fine and i see all of it i see all the things like i think he modeled his voice after sam elliott's voice a little bit i think he modeled his voice after eddie vetter really that's yeah that's what he said is that what he said that's very like gravelly yeah oh. he like went and hung out with eddie vetter for many days i guess they're like buddies in real life or something yeah <laughs> <laughs> a lot of inspiration for the character yeah, yeah. 
Sure did. Bit the recess lady's <laughs> breast. <clears throat> Concrete pillow. Elliot, though, man, every scene he's in fucking crushes, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. No, Sam Elliott does a fucking awesome job. I just thought that that's kind of Sam Elliott's natural drawl. So it almost seemed like he had emulated his voice after Sam Elliott a little bit so that it would, you know, reflect the fact that they were supposed to be brothers. Yeah. Was my go to. But that's interesting that he chose. Eddie Vedder almost, but it would, it would pay off to, cause he, I'll say, I'll say this, Cooper sold being a rock star very well. Mm-hmm. So hanging out with Vedder is probably, uh, and being a celebrity himself probably paid off dividends there in that area. This is, yeah, honestly, it's probably when I cut the shit, it's probably like the best movie I've seen so far this year. There was a scene where I was like, okay, so I, I, obviously all the buzz is around Lady Gaga in this like breakout sort of performance. There was a scene, but I think Bradley Cooper shines just as much except for one scene that really bothers me. And in turn, you've seen it twice. So maybe you have an opinion, but like when she goes to the like rehab center to like see him and he starts to like cry. And the fact that Bradley Cooper can't actually cry, and she's like killing it with this like stoic single tear like i'm like oh she just fucking annihilated you in this scene because you look like garbage (laughs) i don't know i felt like she really like oh you're you're a better actor in this moment than he is (laughs) that's actually my criticism of gaga as well i agree that cooper can't cry but i also don't think that gaga can either that like every time they cut to her she's got a tear like water already built up and there's no like facial expression or fight against the emotion going on in her face. There's just like a single tear that drains down her cheek. So it mm-hmm. makes me skeptical about her. Like, cause oftentimes like when I'm evaluating actors, I see like, I want to see that internal battle between the emotion boiling up inside of them and like fighting back against it because people don't openly like when you cry you run out of the theater and try to hide the fact that you're crying because you're ashamed of it or you're fighting with it right but uh, sometimes movie stars get a pass because they just you know they have a single tear roll down their cheek well who do you know lets water openly fall down their face without fighting back against it someone who's trying to be strong for their drug addled or loved any, one anyone no. under 25 their reaction is not to wipe the tear or fight against it but to document it and put it on instagram that's true <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe i'm wrong i just, just i have the problem if i was actually crying i can't talk so it would never work out i can't right. actually speak two Got things don't like work man <clears throat> man cry i don't know i just always am more impacted by someone who you can see is genuinely fighting with something inside of themselves like and maybe it's is the ugliest crier on the planet yeah well clear yeah i Uh, Viola Davis has got to be up there. She's yeah, Viola Davis. Great snot crier is a big. Uh, I feel like Tilda Swinton sobbing. Does she cry? (laughs) Has she ever cried in a movie? Does she make that Um, She she cried in. uh, We need to talk about Kevin. Yeah, out of just pure exhaustion and frustration, (laughs) anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, and but I I I don't uh, I I hate ragging on it because it's like. It is the best movie I've seen all year, probably. And I don't... I <sighs> just don't see the point. But I can't help myself sometimes. I just get, like, overly critical of things. I will toss in here. I uh, watched, like, half a season of some horror comedy show on IFC called Stan 
against evil and it has dr cox from scrubs i forget what that actor's name is the redheaded guy who's got like quippy witticisms for fucking everything uh he plays like a older guy whose wife dies and his wife has has unknowingly been keeping witches from like eating this town alive (laughs) for her entire life and so when she dies all of a sudden all this supernatural shit starts happening and he's like a hardcore like I don't want to deal with shit I'm a man leave me alone kind of guy and he has to fight witches so it's uh it's not bad it's also pretty rough and raw it's been around for a while yeah so if you uh Want to check it out? It's not too bad, but you got to know what you're getting into. You got you got to like Doctor Cox from Scrubs, or else I wouldn't even say it's for you. I love then, I love him. I love John C. McGinley. Yeah, I kind of wish he wasn't doing an old man voice. He does an old man voice. I kind of yeah. wish he wasn't doing it because he just follows it up with his exact behavior from Scrubs. And I'm just just be Doctor Cox. You don't you don't have to do this voice. Um, but that said, the last thing I want to say about the bad times at at El Royale was I think in any other movie that I've seen in the last many many years. That movie had some truly shocking moments in it. I feel like two or three times in that movie, I was like, "Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah." That I actually shook in my chair like three, yeah. three or four times. Also, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. They those those hits come hard. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, was checking out that new show with Emma Stone and Jonah. What's his name? Manic. Manic. Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. Yeah. Did you watch any of that? Oh no, I haven't. No, it's I've on only our radar. I've only seen about two episodes, but it's it's quality. But it's also like um, weird, um, like alternate reality sci-fi kind of thing. It's kind of it's it's good, but it's bizarre. So I'm 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 and with those kind of shows, I really worry about the season finale leaving you with like a what? <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> like an oh, like an arrival feeling where you walk out and you're like i feel like i should have had an epiphany 10 minutes ago but i don't have any idea what they're talking about mm-hmm. you should watch the fountain the what the fountain i've seen the fountain oh. are you saying that the fountain and arrival have a shared message i'd no, say the arrival saying that uh the arrival is makes much more sense than the fountain really it has more of a shared message with like interstellar which one arrival, <laughs> arrival. oh okay um, well, no, I get the basic concept of arrival. I just like when you start to deduce the specifics of everything, it's asking you to make some wild leaps and assumptions, I think. That's true. I do always have problems with time loops that where's the where's the originating moment in this time loop? Mm-hmm. It's based off a 12 page story. But yeah, I get it. So I should go read the story. No, I should no you make your own arrival, Nathan. <laughs> you could do it so much better. <laughs> No, it's such a weird experience to watch a movie and be like, that movie was good, but I don't get it. Because <laughs> that's what's happened to me. That is what's happened. Anything else okay, anybody bye. wants to add? Or... No. No, I'm low on the on the watching. Well, uh, we're going to need some more viewing from all of you uh, for next time. Um, specifically, Daniel, I want to call you out on the burden list here. And Amanda, <laughs> uh, you I don't know if you're aware, but you have a burden list now. Have you finished yours already? Me? Oh, you're asking me. Do you, um, you still have some left, or did you watch them all? No, no, no. I have Laser Team, uh, Hunting the Legend, <laughs> Blood Rain, which is very difficult to get. I want you to know. It's very difficult <laughs> to find Blood Rain. And Phantasm. Amanda's, Isn't that Blood Rain 6? No, that says like the date, like January 6th oh. is when it comes out. Um, Amanda's burden list is 
Terminator 2 and Predator. Predator. When Harry met Sally. When Harry met Sally and Boogie Nights. These are Amanda. These are amazing movies. I know. Like really good, and we yeah. really want we really want to talk to you about them. Mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind. And the intern, what do you have left? I have uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, Requiem for a Dream, Hamlet Two, and Wyatt Earp. Requiem oh. for a Dream, you have not seen. Have you not seen that movie? No. And I've, ha- uh, and Hamlet I've got Two it on the queue. Hamlet Two. After all of our. Uh, clips and and amusement that we've provided to you you didn't feel drawn to that in any way you just also in the bank they're all right here all four of them just <laughs> right in behind creative control okay daniel's burden list is too long to list all of them <laughs> <laughs> although near dark looks like the one that i think he already has one of these on his shelf oh yeah I think Near Dark's already on his show. Midnight Special, Star Crash, To Live or Die in L.A., Zootopia, Nocturnal Animals, some movie I can't read in Near Dark. Yeah, why is Zootopia on there? You, why did you, you do that? Man? Why did you do that to him, intern? Zootopia, really? I like it. I know you do. That's why I did it. Yeah. I'll get to it. Okay. All right, well, thank you for joining us. Halloween Spectacular in the bank. Thank you to everyone. You know what to do. And if you don't already, go back and listen to another episode and listen to the spiel at the end of it. I don't do it anymore. I'm on strike. Yeah. And you're welcome for, I mean, naturally, all of the horror exclusive lineups that we do are better than all the other regular lineups that we do. But amongst the horror lineups, this was the best. <laughs>